This is John Mills, and this is Acquired Tastings. We're so happy that you're here today, and we're doing beer, big beers. I'm doing the Nine Killer Imperial IPA from Flyway. I'm doing ribs. I'm doing street corn, and I'm also doing vanilla ice cream with fuzz salt. And guess what? I have a famous blogger. It's John the Beer Snob. John, what beer are you doing and what sides? Before we get started, I want to compliment you and your security team for bringing me in the back door. That was very creative and it really helped me avoid the paparazzi and I appreciate that. Anyway, I brought today a Sierra Nevada Bigfoot, which is a very big, very malty. Some people call it IPA, some people call it a barley wine. And with that, I've paired it up with a dessert that is a raspberry chocolate cake with some raspberry Grand Marinier sauce over. And then to start things off, I brought some spicy cheeses, some gorgonzola and some blue cheese. It all looks good, doesn't it? It looks good from here. Well, before we get started, last week we had a blind. Last week was a wine week, and I had a guest named Maggie Snyder. And Maggie's an out-of-work psalm, that was her words. <laughs> and my wife brought a red wine to us that we didn't know what it was. And we tasted, and we talked, and we tasted, and we smelled, and we tasted, and we tasted. And what happened is we ended up saying, that's an Italian wine. It's a Chianti. And... I'd have to ask my wife, but she's not here. But I have it written down. It's Monsanto Classico Chianti. And I said at the end, and she, Maggie was helping, we said, hmm, we think it's a 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. Big boy 2018. So we done well. And we're going to, later on, I've tricked John into saying he would do the blind, the beer blind. So I'll blind him with the beer in a few minutes when we get to that point. Again, I have the Nine Killer Imperial IPA from Flyway. You ever been to Flyway, John? I have been to Flyway many times. Now, they started about 2015. Mm-hmm. And, and last week, I said I was going to get a Diamond Bear two-term. Tom Bear's got a great beer. It's a two-term. It's about a 9% beer. Well, went to the liquor store. Couldn't find it. Went looking all over. Never found it. No big deal. They'll make more. <laughs> and I drink a lot of it when I get a chance. It's a good beer. You've had it, I'm sure. Many times. In fact, I've actually bought kegs of it and brought it home for my kegerator. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's quite good. It's Should we just adjourn and... Turn all this off and go to your house. Hey, if you like empty kegs, oh. because I drank that stuff. <laughs> no, I don't like empty kegs. No, they're not near as tasty. Well, that reminds me of a story when, when my, I was making beer back when my daughter graduated from high school. This was, uh, I think it was 2000 she graduated. My son graduated in 2005. 2005. And I had friends over, and I'd made some beer. And they came to me, one of the guys came to me and says, John, there's something wrong with this keg. We're not getting any beer out of it. 
I went out there and it was floating. <laughs> it was floating in the garbage can with the ice and the water. That is a good sign that it was a good beer to begin with. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, uh, mentioning Diamond Bear, they started in 2000. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I both know Russ Melton. Mm-hmm. It's something that he started. Now, you might know more about their rebranding than I do. You want to tell the listeners about the rebranding? Well, they've been rebranding really almost since the beginning. I thought Porter's the same Porter and had three or four different names. They mm-hmm. just keep trying to perfect it, I guess. I do know that on the Southern Blonde turning to blue. Blue Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, which mm-hmm. is, by the way, one of the finest loggers in the world, not just in town, not just in state. Well, and GABF proved it. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, very, very highly rated. And... Um, but I think some people had a problem with the kind of sexiness of the label and the concept of the cute Southern blonde. It's, it's named after his wife. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'd have said. So anyway, I, I can't speak too much for him, but I think they were just, uh, you know, trying to. And, and Russ and I talked a lot about that kind of stuff about, you know, how his labels are popping now. They're, they're looking good. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so are we eating yet? Yeah, I started with. You know, there's no order. That's what we always say. Mm-hmm. And there's no real problem about crossing over and getting some of your cheese with my beer mm-hmm. or the street corn that I brought with your beer. But mm-hmm. that's what I brought. We'll do we'll do uh, best best on plate later. But like I said, we can cross over. All right. Now these ribs, my son and I smoked these ribs. We went to Hot Springs about uh, 10 years ago, and we smoked ribs, literally in the rain, and we got the people's choice. Mm. So I was real happy with that. I think you just tasted some, didn't you? Mm-hmm. They any good? Oh, yeah. Man, that's good. I'm going to start off with a little more cheese over here, I think. The little cheese? I'm. I think it'll go uh, good with a non-killer. That's what I had brought. That's what I brought to pair up with this um, barley wine because you know, big, big, big. Kinda... Yeah. Well, the last time I went to uh, Flyway, they had a lamb slider mm-hmm. with that uh, blueberry reduction, mm-hmm. and so that's a that's a dis- that's a distinct taste. Lamb is, mm-hmm. but it went very well, mm. very well. So this beer, this non-killer, you know, you, you go to you go to Flyway. Okay, it's not Fly Away, it's Flyway. Mm-hmm. And you go inside and you see this big mural of the birds flying north, mm-hmm. and that's the Flyway. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the names of the beers, many of them are named after a bird. Well, I never realized that this non-killer is named after a bird. I didn't know for sure, but I somehow suspected it was. I suspected it too, and I did a little research, and it's a, I never heard of this bird. It's a gray herk, S-H-I-R-K-E, shirk, maybe. But it, it literally translates, and it's in China, and it's in the United States, but that literally translate, I guess, in the original language to killer of nine. <laughs> now, 
The other thing distinguished about the non-killer, they use four moths and five hops. Now, I tried to find out what malts they made and what hops they made, used. you have any idea on it? I really don't. I mean, it's fairly, I don't either. It, it, it has a lot of the flavors that I would expect out of a Cascade Chinook kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wouldn't be, begin to guess. Well, you just guessed it. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> Two I, of them. <laughs> there's a lot of really cool hops that people are playing around with that... Yeah. That, it, like, are becoming... Hops that I'd never heard of when mm-hmm. I was brewing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Now, are you still brewing any? Not much. Not no? much. Um, no? I um, kind of got out of the habit, and um, but I actually have been fantasizing here lately that I'm about ready to get back into it. In fact, I, I brew a, a version of this Bigfoot. That oh, I okay. Really get. I, that's what I've been thinking about, especially since I'm about to run out of it. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well. Do you know the, uh, if you will, the owner of Flyway? I know that there are several. It's not just one. It was started. Right. Um, just like, just, just like really, we said Russ Melton, but there was a group of. Well, but Russ Melton really was the mover and He shaker. was the and, one, but and there, there were other investors group. kind of mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. there. But it, I think it was a little more clever. Flyway came out of a, a group of people that, that originated out of Asheville. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And if any of y'all want to go to an absolute wonderful beer foodie town, then mm-hmm. go to Asheville, North Carolina. You just, uh, I've been on many, many beer excursions and there's none better than Asheville. But um, a lot of those guys came over here and then some other ones even followed them. And then they've switched around. Some people have kind of come and gone. But um, it originally started with basically a homebrew setup. Mm hmm. In a, in a building over there, somewhere around 9th and the freeway, there's a high-rise over there that had a used to have a restaurant in the bottom of it, and he turned that restaurant into a brewery with a, like a five-gallon system. Mm-hmm. And he made enough beer for maybe South on Main to have a keg every now and then or something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But the Brown Ale was the one that got him off the ground. That was their original beer. Mm-hmm. Well, and Diamond Bear did the same thing. They were, they were in just a little... Uh, well, they were an old car dealership. Car dealership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even then, they had professional equipment. They were making, you know, oh yeah, a lot of beer at a time. But this guy was just, you know, he's basically mm-hmm. homebrewing and selling the keg. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty small. Well, but they worked still... their way up, and now they finally got over there in their brick and mortar location, and they have gone great guns. The food's great, the beer's great, the people are great, and with both breweries, you see, uh, well, all the breweries actually, uh, Stones Throw included, um, you see the people stay. That's always a good sign in any kind of a restaurant or whatever business. If you see the same folks there working there, then they're being treated well. Their morale is going to be good, mm-hmm. and it will come out in the service and in the food. Mm-hmm. That's right. In fact, I would love for my appetizer today to go with this big barley wine. If uh, if uh, the pantry had been open, I would have gone and gotten some of that buffalo shrimp they've got. Man, that's an in-your-face mm-hmm. hot mm-hmm. buffalo recipe, and that would have, that would have been great. Uh, you tried the street corn? I did, and it's very, very tasty and spicy and hot. Oh, by it goes to. great with the with the barley wine. Let mm-hmm. me let, let before I say that for sure. Let me get a second opinion. Who's here to give you the second opinion? Um, oh, I see. I'm me. Here I am. I can get it. I you can be. You can even be third. No, I had to street corn with the nine killer, and there's enough spice in that street corn 
to make you think that the non-killer might not stand up to it. Mm-hmm. But because the non-killer is 9.9 ABV. A killer ABV, you must. And, and, <laughs> and the IBUs is like 100. Mm-hmm. So you've got some good things going for it that's going to make it stand up with that hot corn. The corn went extremely well with the uh, Bigfoot. And I noticed the sweet to sweet hookup. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sweetness in the corn and the sweetness in the beer seem to hook up for me. And sometimes when you pair foods, uh, sometimes you're going for that cooperation. Mm-hmm. But other times you want the contradiction. You want the That's opposites right. mm-hmm. to, to do. And if you think about it, beer itself is that. Mm-hmm. I mean, hops don't taste good. Malt, malt, malt with no hops in it really doesn't taste good. Right. But you put the two together and the opposites bring out something that's really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, I like both strategies. One that has always worked for me and why I knew ahead of time that the corn and the Bigfoot were going to go together, sweet beats the heat. Mm-hmm. That's, all, that's a good catchphrase. Sweet yep, beats the heat. Yep, and if you've got something hot, that. you get you a good sweet beer, that's going to work. We can do that. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was very loud in my ear, so did, did you can blow, do it if you want to. I did it blow your ears out? Nah, I don't do that. <laughs> now, now I'm just, try. just down the street from Flyway mm-hmm. is sort of an annex in a way. Mm-hmm. It, it's brewed and barley. Oh, now, I suspect you've been there, too. I have. I have. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, uh, Flyway's great. They have great beer. But the food that they have, and I shouldn't say but, the food they have is not a sit-down dinner type food. Mm -hmm. It's the sliders. It's the big pretzels. You know, it's it's the the duck tacos. Oh, and they're so good, those duck tacos. And the venison. But anyway. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Now. All right. Like I said, these ribs. Now, the the thing about the ribs is you got that fattiness of these ribs. Mm-hmm. Now, these are really good ribs. We, really good ribs. We, we buy our meat over at Edwards. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they can stand up to anybody's meat. Mm-hmm. Even a lot of people go, oh, we got to go to Sam's. And it's like, wow, we no. got to go to Sam's anyway. <laughs> well, Edwards is lovely. But that's where these came from. And there is going to be fat. That's the whole point of it. It's rendered out nicely. Mm-hmm. The nine killer pairs with that smoke real well. And I get kind of an opposite effect too, you know. One kind of extreme in the smoke kind of was rescued a little bit by the by the nine killer. That's a good pairing. All right. Let me see which one of these cheeses go with. Now these are actually two different kinds of cheeses. One Maytag blue cheese and the other one's gargonzola. Okay, gargonzola. Mm-hmm. The gargonzola is kind of the darker looking one and the blue cheese is the lighter looking one. Oh, man, that was the Gargonzola. Now, you're switching glasses now. Which, okay, you've got the, that's the, that's the Bigfoot mm-hmm. that you just put down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mixing it up. There's a lot of good funk in this cheese. Mm. Those ribs are delightful. And with it being, you know, close to the 4th of July holiday coming up. Tomorrow. We're recording on the third, and uh, this was just a wonderful plate just for that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of what I was thinking. So a lot of times when Josh and I do 
let's say, a wine, or if we do a beer, you know, we hadn't really done Mexican beers because I it was really, when I'm down there, I drink them, but they're not really <laughs> that good. <laughs> Just an old lager that, uh, you know, Corona, you know, I wanted to be a distributor for Corona at one point. And they said, no, 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 we wouldn't sell enough. This one, I think I was in Kansas City. And they said, oh, we wouldn't sell enough. And the next thing I know, they, there's a, there they are. <laughs> but uh, what we like to do is the food and the drink maybe from the same area. So what grows together tastes good together. Grows together, goes together. Exactly. There's not a whole lot on, on um, Flyway Brewing. I mean, they got a nice little website. Mm-hmm. You know, they generally, I mean, this was like, well, this is number nine on their list. Mm-hmm. And I think they've got maybe 10 and 11, maybe 12. Mm-hmm. So the, you, And that and a few more that only sells at Brood and Barley. Exactly. Exactly. So they always, and I think they started out with five or six. Mm-hmm back in 2015 and then they built themselves up and of course they have lord god that's one of the best beers in the state my favorite other than the nine killer is their uh, belgian trapel it's very good oh my god that's good that that beer's so good it's almost as good as the one i make and, I, and i'm telling you that's that's quite a compliment for a snob like me not as good as what? Almost as good as what? It's almost as good as the ones I make. Oh. You know, for a snob <laughs> like me, that's saying something, you know? But you're not brewing anymore. Well, I haven't lately. That don't mean I forgot how. So, John, have you ever made a barley wine? I have. I have. Like I said earlier, this um, this style here I've brewed, I think, two or three times. And it's not particularly a hard beer to brew, comparatively speaking. But, boy, you got to be careful because when you get the alcohol that high... The little yeasties that make the beer, they, they can get tired on you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I know that Flyway does is that they ferment at a cooler temperature than a lot of the breweries. And a lot of breweries don't do that because it takes longer. Mm-hmm. But it slows the yeast down. And you don't get near the... So it's not a lager. It's still an ale. Mm-hmm. You're, just, you're just fermenting, not down at lager temperature right but you're moving down towards 65 lager yeast will ferment at 70 degrees mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it tastes terrible <laughs> right. they throw off all kinds of phenols and cruddy things There's a lot of the poop there um so that's why with a lager you just have to brew it really cool like 55 i'm mm-hmm, thinking mm-hmm. and and it takes two weeks to ferment instead of one week right but there's some in between you can take an ale yeast which is mm-hmm. you know Tastes good at 68 to 70 degrees usually. And, then, and and just go ahead and slow it to 65, say. Exactly. And it just makes it so much easier on the brewer because everything, it slows things down. It lets, it's not like everything's happening at once, but it also produces a very good quality. And off flavors are way less likely to happen at that temperature. So that's one of the things that I admire Flyway about is that they, at least the last time I watched them brew, they were brewing, they were fermenting at some nice, cool temperatures that okay. weren't trying to hurry it along. They were, they were going for the quality. The, the nine killer? 
Uh, the, all of them. I mean, all of them. Okay. The nine killer and the beers in that range, you have to start off fairly cool. If you, mm-hmm. if you don't start off at like 68 degrees, the yeast will literally go into, a, for lack of a better word, an orgy. And they will just churn and churn and churn and churn and churn mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. quit. But in the process, they've stirred up a whole lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really, on a really, really high alcohol beer, you start fermenting it, low temperatures, and then right at the end, you might let it get up to about 72. Mm-hmm. So that those last few little yeasties will hang on and party some more mm-hmm. and, and make the magic happen. So in Kansas City, it's where I started brewing. And we had a basement where it was nice and cool. And Kansas City can get just as hot as, as Arkansas. They can get those hot really? days. Well, I was, I was not brewing in that hot a temperature, and I wasn't brewing in the winter. But I made a barley wine. And I started it down in that unfinished basement. It was just a concrete slab down there. Mm-hmm. So it stayed nice and cool. And I could tell that they were slowing down. Mm-hmm. So I, I brought all I had for brew equipment was the five-gallon bucket. Mm-hmm. So I brought that five-gallon bucket upstairs. Had the yeast lock on there. And... Man, I looked at that, and they started going, and they started going. The next thing, and uh uh-oh, they blew that lock Mm -hmm. completely off, and I was, that bucket Anybody that's ever brewed a high-gravity beer has had that happen. And the bucket was on the carpet, and it was a light beige carpet. Before. Before, yeah. yeah, It was a Santa Clausen-type barley wine. And yeah, I tried and tried and tried to clean that. <laughs> now, that's not the only barley wine I've ever made, but that was the, the worst experience. The Belgian, you know, like tripels, quads, doubles, all of those, you really have to just let, the, just let them almost quit and then turn the temperature up. Mm-hmm. All right. I hadn't found anything that goes bad with the, the non-killer mm-hmm. or... Or the Sierra Nevada Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Have you tried the chocolate, the chocolate cake with the with the barley wine? Not yet. I have tried. Okay, I've tried the ice cream with the fudge sauce right, let me get with that the done. with the nine, but not with the bar. Ooh, that's good. Who doesn't like ice cream? I guess I better try it with the barley. That's good. That's actually good. With the barley wine, the ice cream, I mean. So. It's good with both, but the ice cream and the cake, I think, are better with the barley wine. I would think so. I think the the ribs, maybe the nine killer, maybe even the corn better We're with the nine killer. We're not the best on plate yet. What are you trying to do? Oh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> back to eat if you're going to be rude. I mean, come on. I'll just go so, back to eat. I know how to act like. Okay. John, we go way back, I think. We've met. Um, tell the listeners about your blog. You had this John the Beer Snob blog that you did, a weekly, I can't say it's a magazine. It was a newsletter. I, it was a newsletter, it. And, it, and at first there was nothing going on in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Start talking, talk about it. We, we needed something back then. I mean, I didn't know enough about craft beer. Um, and I, I knew most people didn't, 
but it crap it was taken off and we were about to get left behind the distributors weren't interested in carrying any more beers than they already had they had it made the liquor stores didn't want to rearrange their their shelf space there were all kind of reasons that craft beer just wasn't wasn't taking hold, mm-hmm. but it didn't have anything to do with the fact of whether people liked it or not. Mm-hmm. But my goal was to take and let's educate people and have them start asking their liquor stores, and the liquor stores are going to start asking the distributors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the newsletter, a few years, a couple of years ago, when all of were- a sudden we had all the big beers. We are, now all of a sudden we've got Dogfish and we've got Stone and we've got Arrogant Bastard and we've got you know Oscar Blues, mm-hmm. uh, our local breweries. You know, people are really getting into their local breweries and supporting their local, you know, restaurants and breweries, mm-hmm. which I'm a big fan of. And yeah, Lost 40 didn't exist. Uh, Stone's Throw didn't exist. Blue at that Canoe. time, we had Vino's. We had Diamond Bear. That was about it. And that was it as far as our breweries were concerned. Right. Uh, we had, uh, we had, I think, one or two in Fayetteville. The pizza place there on the square was one of the early deals. And then mm-hmm. the one right there on Dixon Street. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then all of a sudden people wanted to start doing beer dinners and things like that and doing the food pairings, which is exactly how I came up with this pairing with the uh, chocolate raspberry cake. Um, Khalil over at Khalil's Pub and I teamed up to do a tasting one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I saw on the menu that he had paired a Sierra Nevada Bigfoot with this big gooey dessert. So you just show me, told me you cheated. I cheated. I did, but I don't remember which time you're talking about. Well, the multiple times, but this time that you just opened your mouth and talked about the Bigfoot and Cleo's chocolate, mm-hmm. said you've already had it, we che- so you knew it was going to be good. That's a form of cheating. Is this a trick question? It could be. How do you want to take it? Well, anyway, me and Khalil. <laughs> <laughs> and... For those that don't know Khalil, he started out at Cregan's. No, he actually started out at Capitol. Oh, that's right. He, he was, was, at the he was Cap- one of the yeah. big shots at the Capitol Hotel. Mm-hmm. That's was right. like their that's right. wine guru or whatever. And, you know, he knows all about how to do web pages and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's mm-hmm. he's quite talented. But, boy, you talk about somebody that has a palate for food. And he taught me a very valuable lesson that night. Um, and, he, and he's Lebanese, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... um I said, I, after the tasting, I said, man, how did you do that? I mean, how would you have ever known to even try that? Mm-hmm. So what's the, what's the key to doing something like that? And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and says, well, I tasted it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it into something complicated. Mm-hmm. And Khalil looked at me like, duh, you just no. taste it, you know? But anyway, he, uh, I called him up here about a week ago, and he, he made arrangements for me to get the same little cakes that he had used that time. Oh, wonderful. And then you and I got together and made up the sauce earlier right, that goes on it. But it did not disappoint. It tasted just like I remembered when I when paired with this. And it scared me because I went to another restaurant here locally that had a similar uh, dessert and took it home and tried it with a Bigfoot, and it, and it didn't work. And so, but I knew that if the Cleo made that same little cake for us and we could somehow get that sauce in there, I, I knew it was going to work. So part of the thing on this show is for us to try, whether we know it or not, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with what you did, and I made it sound like there was. My my attorney will be contacting you. It's no big deal. It's fine. It's fine. My attorney will take care of that, too. (laughs) But knowing that the Bigfoot goes with that chocolate and putting it on the plate, the listeners get to know what we think Mm -hmm. works well. 
Now, the problem is, it's not a big problem. We've been drinking? Well, that's not a big problem. Okay. The problem could be, is my palate and your palate and whoever's listening's palate are different. They might be superior to all the little people. Well, the, you know, it doesn't take much to be snob thing up. Y'all just play along. It doesn't want. take much to be a superior palate than mine. <laughs> I actually, anyway, my my son got uh, there's a there's another uh, podcast called the Beer Avengers, and they're in New York City. And my son they haven't been, contacted me. Hmm? Have they it? haven't contacted me. Oh well, they dubbed my son. Everybody gets a Beer Avenger name once you've been on the show. Mm-hmm. They dubbed him as Das Ubertaster because they knew he had a good palate. Mm-hmm. And the point I'm trying to make is we paired that, you paired that cake that Khalil made with the Bigfoot. You had it. You knew it would be good. You didn't know that I would like it. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that the listeners will like it. I'm sure we got listeners out there. That may not like the Bigfoot. No. Oh, I can absolutely assure because it's just such a big beer. I mean, exactly. and what you're talking about, it's not It's not only that people have different palates, but also people have more sensitive palates. Exactly. And See, as you get older, it's harder to taste certain flavors. Exactly. And I'm not young. So that if you, if you get older, bitter flavors taste good now. Mm-hmm. Or they didn't taste good before. Well, I can like handle my, heat better than I used to. My son in IPAs is all he tastes is pine salt. Right. See, he could actually be what in beer world in the beer world we call super tasters. Mm-hmm. Because well, that's when you what have a super me, and 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 exactly, and and what that means is is that they can taste the subtleties in mm-hmm. some of the other beers. Where you know, I see these coffee tasters. I mean, I can taste the difference between a roasted versus a heavily roasted versus mm-hmm. a uber mm-hmm. roasted. Right. But as far as the little subtle things they describe in between, not really. Right. right. That's just not my strong suit. Well, and you can taste that coffee within that stout that some people can't. They mm-hmm. just taste the the black bittering. Mm-hmm. And if you put it in a barrel, mm-hmm. a whiskey barrel or whatever, all of a sudden all you get is that whiskey. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing to think about, too, that a lot of people don't think about when you think about food pairings is the temperature of the food. I don't mean the the Scoville temperature. I mean the actual temperature, the Fahrenheit mm-hmm. right. temperature. Mm-hmm. Because, say, for example, you're eating a, a big oily fish, mm-hmm. and then you pair that with a cold beer, mm-hmm. then the cold beer is going to congeal the oil as it goes down your throat. Mm-hmm. And it'll give mm-hmm. you an unpleasant feeling. Mm-hmm. It might taste okay, but it, you won't really notice it so much because it just instantly turns to wax. Mm-hmm. Same thing with wines. Mm-hmm. You'll be drinking a wine and say, mm, that's really good. And then you'll taste this food and you go, wait a minute. That's got a whole different profile mm-hmm. of the taste, whether it's the wine or the food. I mean, you, you can eat the food separate. Mm-hmm. You can drink the wine separate or beer or whiskey or whatever. And then you put it with the food, mm-hmm. and it's a whole different profile. Well, and you think, like like you take a white wine. Mm-hmm. A white wine is chilled, but not cold. Cellar temperature, 54. It's, you know, you've got a nice, cool white wine with that oily fish. The tartness in the wine 
mm-hmm. like uh, say a Pinot Grigio, mm-hmm. the tartness in that white wine will go very good to cut that oil off that fish and everything goes down nice. Right. But you pair that thing with something that's 10 degrees colder mm-hmm. and that's when the congealing starts. That's right. So pairing foods temperature wise, whether you're going complementary, opposite, but really all that science goes out the window when you ask mm-hmm. Khalil and he says, I don't know, just taste it. Right. <laughs> I, I did a tasting like that at Bosco's when I, back when Bosco's was here. You oh, remember I remember used to have those beer dinners all the mm-hmm. time? Yeah, yeah. And they gave me a list of foods and a list of beers and said, pair them up best you can, you're on. Yeah. So on paper, I paired them up. Right. And then I showed up early. I said, hey, this little thing here, could you throw me a little something like that in the pan mm-hmm. and, and yeah. show me what that's going to taste like? And then mm-hmm. I tasted it. And I think I made four different changes out of six beers. Right. And everybody raved afterwards of how well I paired those beers up, but I didn't do it from knowledge. I just did it from sitting down and no, just no. shooting the shit with the chef and, you know, whatever. You remember 2012 when uh, New Belgium was coming to town and mm-hmm. I won this dinner, mm-hmm. tasting dinner, and invited you. And Was that you? Know, you? That was me. That And it was uh, Ranger Todd. And Ranger Todd, whoever, I don't know who their chef was it was down you remember it it was oh. down it was down at the wine saucer mm-hmm. and so they brought they a chef used, in from someplace else they didn't bring they, didn't right. use, they brought but it, was it, it was at like the saucer at- and so it wasn't the saucer's food per se but it was the chef's food mm-hmm. with new belgium beer new belgium's got some wonderful I, oh my god and talking about the ipa that uh, i met one of my vo- favorite voodoo, people in the that beer business voodoo that, ranger that same night, there was a, a rep, and somehow another, something, a glass broke or something. She cut her finger or something. I don't know what it was. But we got to shoot in the breeze there, and we got to be friends. And to this day, I haven't emailed her or talked to her in probably two or three years, but I could pop her an email, and we just start uh-huh, shooting the breeze uh-huh. again. It was just, And I find that with, with a lot of those places, especially New Belgium, is that they, mm-hmm. they are good people. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're easy to make friends with. Another guy came in and he uh, was doing a tasting. And I believe he might have been the one that was doing the one that you did. And he ended up opening his own brewery, uh, Preston Rose, which if, I, if memory serves is in northern Indiana somewhere. It's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. roughly in the Chicago area, but I think maybe an mm-hmm. hour or so to the south. And um, you meet good people. Right. That's the fun part of being a blogger. You meet good people. So, John, what beer did you bring and what food did you bring? I brought two cheeses. I brought a gorgonzola and a Maytag blue cheese. I brought the dessert, which was a chocolate raspberry cake mm-hmm. with a cute little pink swirl on the top mm-hmm. um, with the raspberry marinier sauce that you, we made with your grand marinier. It would have been good marinier, but since it was yours, we went ahead and elevated it to grand marinier. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those, just thinking that like that blue cheese was just spicy enough and sharp enough and big enough to stand up to a big beer like this. And that's what I would tend to, to pair with IPAs is big, big spicy mm-hmm. foods, you know. Right. One of my favorite slogans I've seen a beer company come up with was Bourbon County Stout. Oh, yeah. And um, um, you know, this is a perfect beer for a cigar, but only if you can find a cigar big enough. Exactly. I had a, a friend of mine that uh, was my mentor at one time as a, in a professional setting. So we couldn't really drink or party together, but, but after, after you that can't party with a boss, 
if you're both employed, that's fine. But I was employed and he wasn't. He was a student. So you see, it kind of adds a different dynamic does, if you go yeah, out and party sure. in with uh-huh. the guys, whatever. But once you graduated, I mean, we'd gotten to be friends by then. So Yeah, I had, we just I've had multiple bosses together. say, you know, we can't be friends. Right. I'm the boss. Right. And you're just, the, it's a, it's and a you're weird the, dynamic. And Not you're everybody the guy. A, 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 uh, adheres to it, but that's been one of mine. But anyway, so he came over and we brewed a beer together. He didn't know how to brew, but he, he's very strong and I'm getting old. And so he toted all the stuff around, which is, he wanted to brew a dark beer. So we set out to see if we couldn't recreate the Bourbon County Stout. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't start, might as well start big, right? Right. And, couple of things went wrong, so I really wasn't sure quite how it was going to turn out. I put just a few little wood chips in there. I didn't want to overdo that. Mm-hmm. Made a really nice, big, imperial, Russian-style stout. Now, for the listener's sake, we've talked about IPAs. Mm-hmm. We've talked about imperial IPAs, mm-hmm. but you just said Russian. Russian imperial stout is a nickname that got attached to basically an imperial stout, mm-hmm. just as an India pale ale mm-hmm. became an IPA. And best research I've done back when I was doing the weekly newsletter was is that neither one of them had anything to do with either one of the countries. They just somehow picked up that nickname. But there were legends mm-hmm. of how they got the name. But right. the legends don't really tend to pair well. So if I said Imperial and you said Russian, are they the same? I would probably think we were talking politics. Well, let's, <laughs> let's not do that. That's not what this podcast is about. Agreed. <laughs> but. but but if we said imperial, and see, that's the thing with the with the non-killers, they say it's an imperial IPA. Imperial double to or synonymous. Double. Right. Imperial double synonymous. Okay. But Russian is what? That was a name that was like, supposedly it was made for the Tsar of Russia, and they had to make it extra strong, much like the story of the IPA, so that as it mm-hmm. traveled, it wouldn't spoil. And there's all mm-hmm. kinds of legendary stuff. Well, that was the whole it. thing about the IPA. That was the whole Same thing, thing about the Indian. Exactly. I mean, we had to, we had they to were trying to send beers that wouldn't spoil. And blah. They had already made porters that wouldn't spoil, so that didn't make no, that doesn't make sense. Uh-huh, right. But anyway, so we made this beer, and several things went wrong. But um, somehow or another, that beer came out really, really well. And at one point, I had some folks over at the house. So three wrongs make a right? Well, we're getting to that part. And we decided to... I decided to, to do a tasting, and I told the only thing I told the tasters, and these were all people who were well versed in tasting. And I said, I've got, I'm going to put four beers in front of you that are extremely similar, mm-hmm. and you tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And so I took the current vintage of a Bourbon County stout. Mm-hmm. I went like two vintages back and served that one. Mm-hmm. The third beer was those two combined. Whoa. And the fourth beer was that home group. Okay. Everybody in the room picked the homebrew. Now, why do you think that's true? Because, because the guy I brewed this beer with is a man of God, and um, and and he prayed over this. Beer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the best beer I've ever made. And he and I hadn't. I think we brewed one beer since that came out real good, but it wasn't a real dynamic style. We were brewing it for a contest. Mm-hmm. That's the cool part about homebrewing is you never know. That's right. You can do what it's supposed to do but you know anybody i've ever talked to homebrew i tell them you you can't afford to do it right mm. there's too much equipment that you would have to have to do it right that's right so you better learn to rig stuff up right mm-hmm. and once you learn to rig stuff up when mm-hmm. something goes wrong you rig it up and it happens right 
You know, you and I kind of went through that just now with the cooking phase of all right. this mm-hmm. happiness. Right. You know, we just kind of okay. Well, we'll just do this and we'll just do that, and it'll work. And it did. Well, I, I always said if you, you know you're a home brewer, if you have to mop the ceiling. <laughs> I I laughed so hard I just hit the microphone. That's that hard. is so true. Yeah, I have I have painted closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just the way it is when you're a right, home brewer. Right. You, you well, learn as you go, but I you don't make you, a mess. I told you about Kansas City, and we, uh, you know, I, I made a um, cherry stout with real cherry juice and real cherries, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I put it down there in the basement. And I always put things close to the basement sump pump, but it really didn't matter because it was completely uh, unfurnished. Mm-hmm. The you sump know, pump was unfurnished. It was just a concrete slab down there. So one day I came home and I heard, pop, pop, pop. And I'm thinking. Okay. And to the listeners, I already know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Proceed so that they I already know what this is. Well, I was I was not kegerating by that point. I was just making the brown bottles and capping them. Mm-hmm. Well, I had... Put it in the bottles mm-hmm. a little bit early. How would I have known? Uh, you've done it yourself, probably. <laughs> of course I have. Every old brewer does. So it's going boom, boom, boom. Some of them were just popping the caps off, mm-hmm. but some of them were breaking those bottles. And those are thick. Brown, have you ever noticed bottles. how those Belgian bottles with the weird shaped bottles, you know the ones I'm talking about? Perrot, St. Bernardus, some of those that'll have a, a really big, fat, squatty little bottle, and then mm-hmm. it'll come up and have another little bulge mm-hmm. in the can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever noticed how heavy those bottles are? Oh, yeah. They designed the bottles for that to happen. That's exactly. That's, yeah. why, they, that's why that bottle's designed <laughs> with that shape and everything. Yeah. Is that way it just holds the, C- the CO2 in, and then it absorbs into the beer, and you get a nice foamy right, beer. Right. That's why Belgian beers are so foamy. Yeah. Because they use bottles that'll hold that, that extra gas in. So everybody picked your homebrew over... Bourbon County. Mine and, and, and my, my, my friends, yes. Well, that's good. You need, to, you need to make that again. Well, and again, when you asked me, have I homebrewed in a while? And I said, no. I haven't either. So but also, he, the same friend, Matthew, called me up and said he was, he was ready to try it again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tricky because he and his wife are expecting he may not have a free <laughs> afternoon right. to stop by for a minute. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Well. <laughs> well this has been fun so far, and I'm running out of beer, John. I hate it when you talk like that. I do, too. So let's talk about best on plate. Again, my plate was the ribs, the street corn, and the vanilla ice cream with the fudge sauce. Mm-hmm. Your plate was the two cheeses. Name again, the blue cheese. Blue and, cheese and gorgonzola. And gorgonzola. Gorgonzola is like an Italian blue cheese-like plate. Yeah, they look very, very similar. And then the Khalil cake. Mm-hmm. So, with the Grand Marinier raspberry sauce that we true. made with fresh organic raspberries. That's right. Organic. Oh, oh yeah, my gosh. I didn't realize I that. They bring some kind of Mickey Mouse raspberry over here to a great place like yours. Okay. I mean, shoot, they didn't ever let me pass the gate. So, what was best plate item with the nine killer? The nine killer to me was the ribs. I thought the ribs and the smokiness paired really well with that um, flavor, that nine killer. 
Well, since I've done those ribs before, I might have had a leg up on that one. Okay. About like you did with Khalil's. <laughs> the, the sweetness in the, um, in the barley wine was good with it, really good. But it, it wasn't as good as the, as the nine killer. Well, go on. I know where you were going. You were going with the, with the barley corn, wine and the, the other corn plant. and the barley wine. It was the sweet beats the heat thing. I mean, everything about the sweetness in that beer just paired right up with the sweetness in the corn, and then that heat in there as well. That paired up well. Um, I thought I thought that did quite well. So that's your best. No, that's what I like. The well, best. We, we got to go. The, was we got to go. The best. The best. best. The best was Khalil's with the John. Like the, what part of best on plate? But you're trying to get me all like binary and shit. That ain't going to work. I mean, I got things that's to talk what, about. That's you what know, I got is. to get off course here. And You know, my son, if he was sitting here, he'd say, no, you can't pick two. All right. But he's not sitting here, but. Not standing here either, just Mm-mm. to be technical. No, the best on the plate was the Khalil's with our sauce that you and I made uh, paired with the barley wine. That was best for me. Okay. So what I'm but gonna, I also liked no, I'm totally <laughs> I don't know. So listeners, there wasn't a bad pairing here. There really wasn't. It, it just depended on which beer you had in your hand and which food. See, he's picking and up ha- the and how intoxicated he's, you were when you got to that one. Well, we ain't that's we're not even close. I'm still getting the second opinions over here. But to me, best on my plate with the nine killer was the street corn. Mm-hmm. That spiciness of the spice that the Mexican corn has. Spice, that's pure heat, man. I'm going to tell you, that's... Well, it was just a little cayenne pepper. Is that... Little? Okay. (laughs) I like heat. Don't get me wrong. They're only about an inch long, and there were about uh, 8 to 12 of them. We're talking peppers? Yes. Okay. And then some cumin. And then, of course, the mayonnaise, and, of course, the... It said, said uh, sour cream, but I always use yogurt. And I'm full. This food's very filling. That was the best on my beard, and my plate was the nine and the and the corn. Now, as far as the Bigfoot, Khalil should be sitting here and basking in his glory. Because <laughs> that was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. It wouldn't have been if I hadn't cheated, so you, you should thank me for that. I'm glad you cheated. You know, I tried I tried to come up with the vanilla ice cream and the fudge sauce, thinking that might work for one of ours. And it was good. You know what that would pair well with? The res- the ice cream? I'm pointing mm-hmm. like you folks can see me. Can you see mm-hmm. me pointing at the yeah, ice cream? right, exactly. That ice cream with the raspberry cake would be the best on the table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Predict. I think so. I did not try it. Mm. I was hit, tempted to hit that with a little hot, uh, that chocolate sauce over the top of it, too, with that cake. And again, I'm gesturing like you folks can see me. That's right. That's what we do all the time. Mm-hmm. Hear me point. All right. Well, that's been fun. And what we're going to do now is I'm going to pour a, a beer for you to blind. <sighs> It won't be that. I hate blinding beers. Let the little guys see. You don't need to blind. Oh, yeah. That's what we do. All right. I've got a beer poured up for John. Oh, that's beer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does it does it look like wine? Um, I've never tasted a black wine. 
Right. <laughs> I haven't, I can assure you. Even though there's stuff I forgot, I have never tasted a black wine. So you ready for me to enjoy said beverage? Yeah. Or should we just sit yeah. here and talk about what it looks like? Well, you can smell, you can nose it and tell us what you nose. You can, okay. you can. First off, it's very, very dark. And I mean, opaque dark. I mean, you cannot see through this beer. I'm ruling out Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob, even Michelob Bach or whatever that is. No, it's none of those. This is a very, very dark beer. I noticed that it's cold. So I'm going to kind of. You know, we all have refrigerators that everything's the same temperature in yeah, the refrigerator. Yeah, I should have pulled it out. Oh, uh, no, you can't do that. But all you got to do really is if somebody brings you a beer, there are a lot of beers that you're, mm-hmm. what you're, what you're really concentrating on is the smell because mm-hmm. smell and taste are really not two different things. They are two subdivisions of the same thing because a lot of things you think you're tasting, you're just smelling because it just went up the back way. But you want to get that thing at least warm enough to where it starts to open up and let you know what it smells like. So already, um, I, I can tell this is some form was a porter or a stout just because of the way it looks. Very few other beers are going to get that dark and whatever. Plus, it's got a pretty pretty rich mouthfeel. Now, that said, what's I'm also... For the listeners' sake, what's mouthfeel, John? Mouthfeel is just how it feels in the mouth. I mean, you know, not to be oversimplistic, but... Um, some beers tend to rush down the throat and give you that nice, cool, ooh-ah feeling. You just mowed the lawn. You come in and have yourself a diamond bear blue and, oh, yeah, it just feels good. Ooh, refreshing, refreshing. But they don't have any mouthfeel. I mean, that just went straight for the shoot, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to, trying to get the refreshment out of something like that. A beer that you savor. Right. Now, that beer, if it sits on the tongue kind of nice and stays there, and you continue to taste the beer even after you're not quite still mm-hmm. drinking it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I love the this beer. I love the after smell. Not the smell that I smelled when I put my nose in the glass, but the after smell from the air. And again, I'm gesturing. Picture me gesturing. Uh, it comes back up this, the backside of the nose and back up over the top. And now you're smelling it without smelling it. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of bourbons, they will add to the flavor of the bourbon with something and not the bourbons the uh, the, the dark stouts they will add something to the flavor especially if you're getting up in the imperial range but it's not exclusive and so a lot of people will add oaking or um oak chips mm-hmm. or things like that other flavors this one has had something added this is a maybe a vanilla beer okay. uh, easily guessed would be a vanilla porter based on what i've tasted so far He's still warming it up. Yeah, and that's still, my bad. I'm, and it's not that hard to do. You, no, you take it's my them bad. And, and you you warm your hands up by rubbing them together, which I'm doing as we speak to show you. And then you yeah, I can grab the glass on both sides and then swirl the beer because you can change the temperature of the beer sitting right next to the glass, but that's all. It will then insulate the rest of it. So you got to swirl it a little bit. What kind of head are you getting on this? Um, it's... Uh, it's not sticking to the side of the glass all that much, but again, cold beer doesn't tend to stick as well mm-hmm. on the side of the glass, so we don't get in a lot of, that's called lacing. And Belgian lace, have you ever called something Belgian lace? You know what I'm talking about when I say oh, Belgian yeah. lace? Mm-hmm. When you pour a beer, sometimes that white foam just comes down the side and it looks like somebody has, you know, made lace for a wedding or something. Now, do we have white foam here? Hmm? Do we have white foam on this beer? We do not, but anyway. What color is the the foam here is a is a beige foam, which is what you would expect out of a, a stout type beer. 
But to complete my little mini story, the, the Belgian lace is a nickname I've heard for that. Mm-hmm. And I went to Belgium one time to a Duvel tasting. And I told the lady there who was Belgian, I said something about Belgian lace. And she stopped me and she said, what did you just say? Mm-hmm. What'd you call mm-hmm. it? I said, mm-hmm. She thought that was the funniest thing she'd ever heard. They'd never heard that. Mm-hmm. In Belgium, they don't call it Belgium lace. But in this one, we don't, we're not getting a lot of lacing, which is the term. But the top is beige. It's a beautiful beer to look at. I mean, you can't see through it. But man, the edges around the beer like you do with wine, and then you let that foam come down the side, you kind of get a get a get a taste for it. Now we're getting about the right temperature. Now all of a sudden Sometimes on a big bold red we'll get that uh, mm-hmm. clear uh-huh. molasses on the edge. Uh-huh. Are you getting anything like that? I am. I am in fact. But you see Just, here even the glass is still steaming up a little. Mm-hmm. Either that or it's just the oil off my hands dirtying up the glass. That can also cause that to happen. All right. So now let's get back to now I'm really smelling the vanilla. So that means some barrel usage. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, you can get that flavor with vanilla beans, which is where I'm sensing this is coming from. This, this tastes more like vanilla beans to me than the vanilla flavor that comes out of a bourbon barrel. You know what would be good? Hmm. Some of that vanilla ice cream right down in the middle of it. You know, that would go well. That will. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. That, it, it's a delicious beer. One of the things I'm trying to, to, to establish just in kind of how I feel as it goes down is I'm trying to, to differentiate this as a imperial beer. Is it a high alcohol beer? I'm not. It, one of two things is happening here. Either it's not a particularly high alcohol beer or the alcohol is well masked. And well, with some flavors, that's exactly what they do. When we were talking about opposite tasting pairings, mm-hmm. you can cover up alcohol, and that's when it gets dangerous. Because if something well, tastes good and you don't realize you're drinking a lot of alcohol. My pointer finger came up. Oh, they saw that. You don't have to tell that. Because when you started talking about alcohol, this beer, we had the issue of the last two beers we drank. Mm-hmm. We had a 9.9. And then what was yours, uh, 13 or 11? No, no, no. It was right at 9. I mean, it was 9 point something. It says right here on the bottom bottle, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure y'all can read. Let me hold up the microphone here. Mine's 9.6. So we had two beers that were over 9. So now we're tasting a beer. And the alcohol that we're tasting in this new beer... Seems to be up in that same range. Well, it, 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 but it could be that the problem is we've just tasted two high mm-hmm. alcohol beers. I'll tell you what I'm tasting is almost the opposite. I'm I'm not tasting the alcohol, and I feel like I should be. I feel like See, when I the, drink it, mm-hmm. I'm, I do feel like I've had mm-hmm. another drink. Mm-hmm. So either one of two things is going on here. Either this expert brewer has figured out exactly the antithesis of the flavor of alcohol, which is what a great brewer does, because mm-hmm. that's the whole point of beer is you're covering up the flavor of alcohol. Any beverage. I mean, if you're in wine, you want the tannics, you want the this, you want that. You've got to cover up that alcohol taste, because alcohol, folks, by itself, tastes terrible. And it burns your nose hairs. Yeah, it burns your nose hairs, especially if you light it. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Not at home, not even on the 4th of July. So anyway. I'm going to say that this is not a high alcohol beer. I'm going to say the alcohol, 6%, 7% maybe. 
thinking maybe a vanilla porter. I know Breckenridge tastes a lot like this, their, their porter. But I got a sneaking suspicion that you're going to tell me that, no, this isn't in fact a high alcohol beer and the alcohol's hidden. So I will not tell you on air. I understand that. I may have to listen next week to find out myself, folks, because I got to tell you, this guy, he's, he's like that, man. I mean, when he's got a rule, this rule, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you yeah. know, some people got rules, you know? Well, we'll, we'll review. First we thing will, he said was, so we're going to just, you know, we're, there's no rules here. And so I just, I just well, have to we'll be the antithesis. Re- to we that. will reveal what this beer is next week. Folks, I'm so, telling you, I'm, so you I'm think listening right there with you because I got to know what is this thing. So it's a six, you're saying a six percent, seven six seven percent beer. I'm not tasting porter. a lot of alcohol, vanilla porter, but I am tasting a lot of vanilla. And I don't think but when you age something in a bourbon barrel, that inherently is going to have a vanilla, mm-hmm. chocolate, coffee mm-hmm. range mm-hmm. of flavors. Exactly. And so it's very very easy to jump on that and say that's what did it. In this case, I think they may have actually introduced some actual vanilla into the beer because I think I'm tasting real vanilla as opposed to mm-hmm. oat vanilla. That's possible. All right. Well, there you have it. John has decided this is a 6 to 7% vanilla porter. We'll let you know what that is Possibly next Possibly Breckenridge, but I don't even know if they even sell that here anymore. I don't know that we can get it. We get some Breckenridge, but I just don't know if they bring that particular one. That particular one. Don't know. You know, that's the hard thing about Arkansas. Mm -hmm. We get stuck on a beer, and then then where is it? It's gone. We don't have enough distributors. No. Our high point in craft beer was when we had like, I don't know, five or six people competing and trying to all come up with something new. That's right. But then all of a sudden, this one bought that one, that one bought the other one, and now Mm -hmm. we're down to Mm -hmm. a couple. And, Mm -hmm. you know, most all the beers coming in are going to come either through Central Moon or Glacier's. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And no competition is not good for any industry. No, no. In my opinion. Well, I want to say, John, thank you very much for being thanks here. Thanks for inviting me, man. And thanks been, for cooking the been, ribs. Oops, oh, it's been delicious. Two different great beers. A bunch of great food. Thank you, Khalil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Khalil, oh, absolutely, yeah. man. Thanks. And then you made the sauce. It's fantastic. The raspberry. Which uh, he gave me the idea. Grand Monnier. And next week, what we're going to do is we'll reveal this this beer but we'll also do a liquor week so we're going to do i've got a guest lined up unless he's got an issue and it'll be i can always come back well you you do liquors what is a pig yes i do (laughs) does a two thousand pound bag of flour make a big biscuit started to say is a pig's ass pork so what what we're planning to do is cordial and that could be your grand marnier that could be your Solano. That could be, uh, there's just a whole this bunch This has got of a hangover written all over it. Well, it depends on how many we do. Oh, well, all right then. I guess there's, what? But my, my guest said he was going to bring several. <laughs> <laughs> and usually when we do this, when we do the liquors, we drink them neat in the Glencairn glass. Until but, you get drunk and then it gets real sloppy. Well, but I think what we're going to do on this episode next week would be talk about how the Grand Marnier can fit into different cocktails, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I want well, to thank. What a lead in that I had the Grand Marnier I know. idea this absolutely, time. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you again for being here. My pleasure. I want to thank John. all the listeners for being here. It has been a fun episode. We, uh, we like you to go out on your podcast platform. 
you know what they want you to do, so do that for us because it helps our ratings. On, folks, go out do there what and you can, man. Do go out there and like us and follow us and be old school. We don't. We would like to hear from you by an email. And if you want to give us a bad rating, just tell us why. We can work on that. And if We've they do doing... give us a bad rating, bad rating, do break it to me, General, because I'm kind of sensitive. I know. He... I can overreact easily. Yeah. Know, this is episode 105. Now, how many how many uh, weekly beer stories did you have? 700 and something. Yeah. See, I, I, we're not. I mean, I still do my, I mean, y'all join me on Facebook or Twitter yeah. or whatever. I'm still out there. I just, my weekly newsletter, I've I've let go. It's, okay. Well, what's, what's, the tw- what's your Twitter handle? John the Beer Snob. And I'm uh, John the Beer Snob on Facebook, and I have John the Beer Snob at Hotmail.com. There you go. That that's otherwise I'm known as John the Beer Snob. Self processed. <laughs> I'm a legend in my own mind, folks. A yeah, legend in my exactly. own mind. Thank you, John, for inviting me. This has been fun. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone. This is John Mills. We'll see you next week. Thank you, and goodbye.